Live from WNUR News, I'm Maria Jimena Aragon, and you're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, February 10th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, virtual bakeries on the rise. A Chicago winter is coming, and a different type of Valentine's Day. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. During the pandemic, nearly everything went online, from shopping to Zoom meetings. But what about when you're craving a fresh baked pastry? Mika Ellison has the story. Have you ever eaten a pastry from a bakery that existed only on the internet? The phenomenon of online bakeries, or micro bakeries, where customers place pre-orders and pick up their prizes at a predetermined location, have become popular recently due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I spoke to three bakers that started micro bakeries from their homes and ask them about their experiences. Daniel Kester worked professionally as a pastry chef, but lost his job due to the pandemic. Inspired by other microbakeries popping up around the city, he decided to start Dan the Baker, which sells classic breads and pastries like baguettes and cruffins. After promoting his fledgling business on Instagram and defying expectations during his first weekend, Kester decided to commit to making his business work. He says one of the most memorable moments happened last Christmas Eve. That was our first pop-up where we just made a bunch of stuff. We didn't do any pre-orders. And the whole lead up to that, I mean, even my wife was like, what if nobody comes? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, what if we make all this stuff and nobody comes? I mean, there was people lining up at like 7.30, 7.45. And we basically sold out in like an hour and a half. And I was pretty blown away by I did not expect everyone to show up like that and it was pretty amazing. I think that was kind of the first time I was like, maybe I can do this. <laughs> Kester thinks his success is due in part to the quality of his baking. I think there's a lot of bakeries that are kind of just pushing quantity over quality. And so I, I guess my theory is that I'm just going to try and do it, you know, make the, the, the best product I can possibly make. And I think that will draw people in and keep people coming back. Kester also credits Dan the Baker's thriving business to repeat customers that form an integral part of the community. And I would see the names, um, you know, week after week. Every now and again, I would meet them. I just got an email two days ago from one of my biggest customers. And he was like, well, you know, what's the news? When can we get back on our bread and pastry addiction? Dan the Baker took a break last month. But they've got a new location downtown and are opening back up this weekend. Looking forward, Kester says he's excited to get back in business. So I'm going to be opening back up in the West Loop out of the Emily Hotel, uh, which is on Morgan Street. I'm really excited to get back in the kitchen and, and start. It's hard. It's super demanding. It long, long days, long hours. But, yeah, I don't know what else I would do. It. I really love it. Masa Madre is a Mexican-Jewish online bakery been crafting orders and getting them to customers for over three years. We specialize in a lot of Jewish pastries with Mexican flavor inspirations, but we also do Mexican pastries. I spoke to one of its founders, Tamar Fascha Uniquel, who moved to Chicago from Mexico City eight years ago and then decided to move from the fashion world to the food one with her business partner, Elena Vasquez Felguerez. 
we thought that there was a lack of uh, good quality bread in Chicago. So we thought about starting our own business. We didn't really have any money for it. We didn't have a lot of experience. So we thought, why not start baking and try to promote it on Instagram and see if people start buying it. Masa Madre in Spanish means sourdough starter. Uniquel and Felguerez used it as the name of their bakery because sourdough was the first thing they sold. We really liked the name because we knew that we were going to use a lot of recipes that came from our home, from our families, from our grandmothers. And, you know, everything was going to be based out of dough. And we thought it was a really great combination of words because it really represented us. While the pandemic shut down or closed a number of physical stores, Masa Madre continued, operating through various pickup locations around the city. Uniqueo said that seeing a community be built around their virtual bakery was an inspiring experience. It was great. We found out that there's a lot of people that relate to either Jewish flavors, Mexican flavors, or both of them combined as an identity or as a Latino and Jewish identity that they weren't really finding anything like that here in Chicago. We just really found though a lot of customers that just really liked our quality and our bread and our story. Unique says that some highlights of her time at Masa Madre have been the events they've done with other organizations and the times she gets to interact with members of the community who aren't just behind a screen. Looking ahead, she's excited about creating that space with a brick-and-mortar store. The opening of the store, for sure, I'm very excited about. We're hoping to be open by the end of the summer. So just having a place where people can come, where people can gather, where they can see us and talk. Unique says that despite the travails of a pandemic, running a business, and the fact that her hobby is now her job, she still loves experimenting in the kitchen. I still feel like that's my hobby whenever I'm not working and I'm baking just for myself. Jay Fong has a degree in architecture, but when the pandemic hit, she was furloughed. And the growing visibility of the Black Lives Matter movement and other racial tensions in the U.S. spurred her into action. So I was feeling really paralyzed by a lot of it. So I thought, okay, well, why don't I like bake some things, try to give away some plants, raise some money, and maybe that will help me refocus a little bit on what's important. The fundraiser was successful and inspired Fong to continue pursuing her passion for baking. Fong started an Instagram account and began building an audience. I asked her why its name, Mama Day, is significant. So Mama Day is a phrase in Cantonese. Um, it means like, eh, <laughs> like it's, it's just okay. It's not great. <laughs> it kind of also stems from this notion of when you're growing up here in the U.S., I feel like as either first, second gen, you kind of carry a lot of the weight of your parents and your family's sacrifices. I knew that if I wanted to pursue this as something like an actual business, that I needed to kind of give myself a little bit of breathing room to, you know, make mistakes and to be okay with that. Fong says her baked goods are similarly inspired by first and second generation culture. It's all tapped into like third culture flavors, this melding between traditional foods and also modern Asian flavors. So I did like a white rabbit rice crispy treat. I did a half flakes oatmeal cookie. Um, so it's it's really pulling from the nostalgia of a lot of the the candies and treats that I had the flavors of my youth, but then also blending them with a lot of the things that we're so familiar with in the Midwest, I think, especially as like comfort foods. The response to Mama Day surprised Fong. It was honestly, and it still remains to this day, completely shocking to me to have such love 
and dedication from a lot of customers and, and now obviously friends. For the past few years, Fong has made zhong, a traditional sticky rice dumpling, for the Dragon Boat Festival. She taught herself to make them after seeing her grandmother make them once. Recently, a customer reached out to share her own journey with zhong. She said, I had yours, was so inspired to try to learn this as well. And so I asked my parents if we could make them together and we did. And so she sent me photos and they looked so lovely. And I just like, I cried, <laughs> I was so happy. Because I think a lot of what we struggle with as being the children of immigrants is you're, you've lost your direct connection sometimes to the homeland. You're now saddling that line between two cultures. So to, to see somebody say, no, I want to preserve this. I want to explore this. I want to reconnect in this way. It was like really moving. Although not having a brick and mortar or a team of chefs comes with its own challenges. Because it is just my little two hands making every single you know, mooncake or whatever it is. Being able to move around the city has given her a greater appreciation for the unique enclaves in each neighborhood. You can kind of feel a greater sense of community with Chicago as a whole. Every neighborhood in Chicago, I think, has its own personality. Another silver lining of the pandemic, Fong says, is a new attitude towards each other. With this advent of like pop-up culture and all these micro bakeries. So I think now the attitude very much so is like there's space for everybody, especially if you're representing your ethnicity or culture that has up until this point been severely underrepresented. Fong is also excited about her planned pop-up at Women and Children First Bookstore on February 12th. The pop-up is a collaboration with author Gloria Chow for her fourth novel, When You Wish Upon a Lantern. And mooncakes are something that are just like so special. You know, we usually just have them for mid-autumn. But because the mooncakes were so central to this story that the author has written, um, I decided to roll them out a little bit early for, for that as a special occasion. For now, I'll leave you with what Northwestern student Andrew Chang said when he tried Masa Madre's chocolate babka. That's delightful. For WNUR News, I'm Mika Ellison. While February continues to mark the beginning of a new year, let's not forget that the real Chicago winter is just now kicking in. Northwestern students are resourceful, finding the quickest paths to class and back. Reporter Brandon Condrit sat down with a few students to discuss their adventures into the sub-zero temps. As winter quarter progresses, colder temperatures officially set in. Northwestern students with varying cold tolerances are donning their thickest coats, scarves, socks, and pants. Amidst all of the efforts to get from one place to another as quickly as possible, I was curious, what can you do to get outside in the sub-zero conditions? It's Illinois and it's the winter, so you're kind of doubling down, but it's... So to That's Bean and Weinberg's second year, Daniel Zittimer. He's a member of the Northwestern Outdoors Club and likes to get outside anytime he can, no matter the weather. I think just like finding ways to hike, and I think that there are there are trails that are not too far from here. You know, a lot of people don't have a car on campus, and and there's there's probably still access to to them. While the Outdoors Club hosts more trips and on-campus activities in the fall and spring quarters, members are finding creative ways to enjoy the cold or stay active. The Outdoors Club just had a thing where they would reimburse people for like going skating or for um, like going to the indoor climbing gyms. Ice skating is a classic wintertime activity and there are countless options in the Chicagoland area to glide across the ice. The Maggie Daly Park Skating Ribbon downtown is a popular choice. 
But don't forget about Evanston's own Robert Crown Center. One of the main challenges many students face at the rink comes at the rental desk. Skate rental fees can sometimes be on the steep side. At Maggie Daly Park, weekend walk-ups are $22 plus tax. But did you know there's a little office on campus that can help? I've always known about North South Doors just since coming to Northwestern. I always thought it was really cool that our school had such an accessible option for people to get outdoor equipment. That's SESPE senior Elise Lamar. She works for Norris Outdoors right next door to the game room on Norris's underground floor. It's a little-known resource at NU, but they offer countless rental options for you to enjoy when soaking up some vitamin D. It's pretty season-dependent, but everything is rented year-round. I guess it just depends when you can use it in Evanston. But we have tents, backpacking backpacks, we have grills, we have tables, sleeping bags, sleeping pads, uh, and then we have ice skates and cross-country skis. Weinberg first year and Norris Outdoors employee Adam Gribbins, an avid nature lover himself, says he's seen lots of traffic in the office despite the cold temps. The skates are very popular because they're cheaper than the uh, skates at like Millennium Park or uh, skating rinks in Evanston. So a lot of students like to rent them out. But you don't need any equipment to get out and about. If you like to run, take a note out of Adam's book as long as the conditions are right. I'm in the uh, track club, so I go for runs. Uh, Not as often recently because you have to watch out for ice. But um, depending on the days, we can still go for runs, uh, depending on like what's salted, what's cleared. No matter what you do, the three outdoor aficionados I chatted with had a common piece of advice to share. Layers. To layer up. Just bundling up as much as you can and trying to like push on forward with all the things you were going to do anyway. The bottom line, if you're looking to get outside, there's ample opportunity to do so. And even if you don't know how to strap on a pair of cross-country skis, there's no time like the present to learn. I would totally recommend trying it. I knew how to cross-country ski, but I went with my boyfriend. He had never done it before and picked it up really easily. And if you prefer to stick to the sidewalk, you might see others traversing campus with their skis even the professors. I saw professors like cross-country skiing across like quads. How how do you, there's a road in between everything. How do you do that? For WNUR News, I'm Brandon Condritz. Valentine's Day is coming up next week, and if you're not cuffed yet, April 14th may be the day for you. Two months after the National Couples Day, Koreans celebrate their single status by enjoying the Chinese-Korean fusion fusion dish jajangmyeon, better known as black bean noodles. Reporter Jung-un, Jennifer Kim, helps us learn more about Black Day. Ten, how single are you? Ten. Ten. Hundred. Twelve. Ten. (laughs) Three thousand two hundred sixty-six point four two three. According to Merriam-Webster, it's cuffing season. It's been cuffing season since October, at least until Valentine's Day. But if you're still single, you're not alone. Two single second-year students, Yejin Sun and David Park, say this day won't be too special for them. I plan to work at my work-study job <laughs> and then go to class. I met up with like friends who are also single and went to like, the movies. I've usually had to help my friend pick up presents for her boyfriend. 
I haven't really planned out anything yet, but I don't think it's going to be that different from a normal school day. I'll be attending classes, studying at Maine. Yeah, that's about it. But if Valentine's is for couples, is there a day for singles? I've heard of white days, which is pretty similar to Valentine's Day, but nothing for single people. I'm sure someone must have felt single and wanted to feel included, so I wouldn't be surprised if there were one. I'm Korean, so I know about Black Day, and I think that's the only holiday that I know. Following Valentine's on February 14th and White Day on March 14th, Black Day is a popular national day in South Korea on April 14th. With everyone who didn't get something on Valentine's Day or White Day, you go and eat jajangmyeon and you cry together. As Son mentioned, Black Day was known as a day of sorrow, one of the reasons it's named Black. The name is also derived from the black color of jajangmyeon, black bean noodles, the dish Koreans enjoy on this day. Have you celebrated Black Day in the past? Actually, I think I have, but like for fun with my mom. We had nothing to do that day, so we just went to go eat jajangmyeon. But she's, my mom's not single, so I don't know if that counts. <laughs> for those who were not born and raised in Korea, the concept of Black Day is completely new. It would be something kind of along the lines of Black History Month, where Black people celebrate their history and culture. Today, the pressure of the need to be in a relationship has significantly decreased in the Korean culture. Rather than mourned, the single status is now celebrated. For those who take the day to extremes, they dress up in black, wear black accessories, apply black nail polish to match the black theme. I think it's great. I think every country should have this day and that people should celebrate it because being single is great. But in the U.S., not a lot of people know about it. Not even like Korean Americans know about it. Whenever I explain what it is to them, they always get really excited. They're like, oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> Goes back to the point of every country should have Black Day. Unlike Son, who advocates the celebration of being single, Park doesn't seem like the biggest fan. If people really want to, then sure, but I don't really see a point in celebrating singleness because it seems like the default, not to generalize or anything, but most people probably don't want to stay single and creating a day equivalent to Valentine's Day for single people just seems like it'll make you feel even more lonely. Some Korean companies take advantage of this day to host black bean noodle eating contests or market through discounts. While such activities are quite difficult to find in the States, Americans also designated February 15th the day after Valentine's as Single Awareness Day. With Valentine's coming up in four days, it is time to buy chocolate and gifts for your loved ones. Otherwise, perhaps it is time to consider waiting two months to devour that jajangmyeon. Near campus, you can find the dish at Shang Noodle in downtown Evanston. This is Jung and Jennifer Kim signing off from WNUR News. Thanks for sticking around with us on WNUR News. It's 6.22 p.m. Central Time. 
take advantage of the quote-unquote warm weather while you can. Here's Helen Bradshaw with the forecast. The weather segment. I'm Helen and today I'm joined by absolutely no one. So I promise to keep this brief and exclude any regular witty banter that I'm sure will be so dearly missed. This is Fair Weather Friends. Who's the weather? The next few days should be sunny and warm, at least relatively. We're looking at mid-40s for highs until next Friday. As you could probably guess, this means no nice fluffy snow, just rain and maybe some snowfall here and there. Now, let's move outside of Illinois. The southeast can expect rain this weekend. There may be a little bit of snow in some areas of higher elevation in Virginia and North Carolina, but in general, it looks like a rainy weekend for the southeast. Before I sign off, one last note. Please don't go on ice in the Great Lakes. On Monday, the U.S. Coast Guard had to rescue 25 people across Lake Michigan and Huron after becoming trapped on ice floats. Officials reported that two of the individuals had to be treated for hypothermia. So please take advantage of the warmer weather on solid land, not melting ice floats. That's all for Fairweather Friends. See how efficient it is when Nick isn't here? Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more wintry weather. Taking a look into the headlines, the nine candidates running for Chicago mayor met last night for a mayoral forum to discuss the city's biggest issues. The official election is February 28th. The FBI found one classified document after searching the Indiana home of former Vice President Mike Pence for five hours on Friday. And today, the Pentagon shot down an unidentified object over Alaska. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Micah Sandy, and our reporters are Brandon Kondritz, Mika Ellison, and Jungun Jennifer Kim. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Maria Jimena Aragon, and we'll see you back here Monday, February 13th, same time, same place. Now, back to scheduled programming.